can be seen. I'm going to give the talk first, and we'll do exposition and adoration and benediction afterwards. So, uh, for those of you who do not know, uh, my name is Father Stephen Pellissey. I'm the parochial vicar at Our Lady of Wisdom right down the road. It's a pleasure to be with you all tonight. Um, so I'm supposed to be giving an Advent mission. The thing about Advent is that it's short, it's preparing for the coming of Jesus, and so then the question is, well, how do I prepare for the coming of Jesus? The thing that's interesting about the liturgical year, I find it very fascinating, and you even see a little microcosm within Advent, is that we start off very optimistic about our own capabilities, and then we kind of end recognizing all of this is on God, our possibility of salvation. So it's a very common first gospel reading for Advent. Pray that you have the strength to stand in front of the Son of Man. Pray that you have the strength to stand in front of the Son of Man, to bear his presence on the last day. That, by the way, is what Advent is first about. That we are preparing for Jesus' coming at the end of time. But then you notice, in the last week of Advent, that the prayers at the Missal, the prayers right before the Gospel, what we call the O Antiphons, talk more and more about preparing us for Jesus' remembering Jesus' coming as an infant. This is interesting, that we're preparing more and more to kind of say, okay, Lord, I recognize how far I am to be ready for your second coming. Now perhaps it's time to just ask for mercy and to be small like an infant as you became small. And then throughout the liturgical year, there becomes more and more of this kind of helplessness, or you could say with John the Baptist, I must decrease so that he may increase. Because before ordinary time, the liturgical year, you could say, concludes with Pentecost. That my spirit is not enough. That I literally need God to live within me and to animate me if I'm going to have any hope of salvation. And so what I want to talk about tonight is something that is not talked about really enough or frankly at all, or we misunderstand it, is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not the fruits of the Holy Spirit, like joy, peace, patience, everything that is like in word art in every suburban home, you know, but the actual gifts of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom, counsel, knowledge, fortitude, understanding, piety, and fear of the Lord. Because the church says something very radical. The church says that we cannot be saved without the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We cannot be saved without the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So first, when do we get the gifts of the Holy Spirit? How do we get the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Everyone receives gifts, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit at their baptism. 
And the reason why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be saved is because on our own capacity, we don't know where we're going. So I'll give you a little example. We've all maybe been out to some place in rural Louisiana. Maybe it's like you're not even going out to Grove Ridge. You're going out to this place called Nina, which is like a place that's not an address, but people know that it's a place in the Grove Ridge area. Someone gives you the address on Google Maps. The thing is, they say, yeah, but if you type in that address, it'll take you like a road over. You know, it won't take you to the exact place. That is similar to why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit, why we need the counselors. Because in our own mind, what I'm about to explain is, it's very theological, but just to make sense of this. In our own mind, we don't really know God in a sense. I'll explain briefly. God is utterly simple because he is utterly one. Yet, the more and more that we talk about God and describe him as all good, all knowing, all loving, it's like we're trying to look at these colors that are coming out of a prism, all these different attributes, whenever God is really this white light on the other side of this prism. That the more and more we describe God, and this isn't like a new idea I'm just coming up with, this is called uh, apophatic theology or the via negativa. This is like what St. Thomas Aquinas says and why St. John of the Cross says that even for mystics, those who live sainthood, there's a dark night of the soul. You know, you think of St. Mother Teresa that she experienced this is desolation for 50 years of her life. It's because as she comes closer and closer to God, she does not experience God as any kind of thing. God is not reduced to a thing. In a sense, God is no thing. So she experiences this sense of nothing, of nothingness, as she comes closer and closer to God. But our human mind is not able to take us there. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit to draw us to the Lord. As Jesus says at the Last Supper, the Spirit that I will give you will lead you into all truth. And so we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not only for the sanctification of our mind, which is darkened, we know, through sin, but also for the sanctification of our will, which we know is corrupt and weakened through sin. That we're given courage, piety, and fear of the Lord so that we can respond to the Lord, not with our own ability, but with His own ability, His Holy Spirit. So, now that we've briefly talked about the necessity of the gifts of the Holy Spirit for salvation, because we need to show up to that obscure address in Nina that our own human reason, that our own Google Maps will not take us to. Now let's kind of just go through what the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit are, and then how do we dispose ourselves to grow in the profundity of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
We say that the saints are those who operate by the very gifts of the Holy Spirit. As we know, Jesus tells St. Peter at the end of the Gospel of John that now you clothe yourself, as in you put on your own virtues, but in the end, you will have to be clothed by someone else. That is, the Holy Spirit himself must clothe you. So first, what are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit? What are their names, and why are they important to know? The the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as just mentioned previously, perfect two of our powers. Our intellect, our ability to know God, and our will, our ability to love God. We know to love, to know and to love the Lord, and to enjoy Him in eternity is our final end. So to know God. There are four of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit that are given to know God. The first is understanding. The gift of understanding is this. You've all experienced it. It's whenever you come into Mass and you hear the Gospel or you hear the homily preached and there's this sense that I'm not looking at God from the outside in, but from the inside out. That I can kind of see the connection between the different truths of the faith. That, for instance, whenever I'm receiving Jesus in the Eucharist, I can kind of imagine him living within me and animating me and seeing that as he offers his body, that if I offer my body someone else's service, and I'm kind of joined to Jesus. Like I have a real intuitive sense of that. The gift of understanding is that way in which I kind of look up to God and see how the teachings of the church, for instance, which can be multifaceted, such as go to Mass on Sunday, remain chaste in um, your relations with your spouse, to be generous in uh, giving to the church. Now, these aren't separate things, but they're actually kind of one thing. In talking about God's gift of himself to us and our gift of self back to God. That's the gift of understanding. Whenever the faith just kind of makes sense from an inside-out kind of perspective. And then the second gift is the gift of knowledge. So if you can imagine, you know, that gift of understanding kind of exercise when I go to pray. You know, maybe in the, in the simplicity of raising my eyes to Christ at the Eucharist, that I see Christ, but then whenever I leave, now instead of looking up, I look down. I look down at creation. Now in recognizing Christ in the Eucharist with the gift of knowledge, I'm able to recognize Christ in others. I'm able to recognize Christ myself. That if Christ is hidden in the host, he's also hidden in my neighbor. That's the gift of knowledge. Whenever I look at God, I'm able to judge all created things in light of God. I see things right. The third is the gift of wisdom. And what the gift of wisdom does is that it informs all of my charitable actions. Because wisdom, St. Thomas says, is the 
the knowledge of first causes. That is, God is first cause, so the knowledge of God. Wisdom perfects our charity because, for instance, we might think we live in a world, for instance, where it's considered charitable giving to give contraceptives to villages in Africa, right? This is a world that does not have God as the end in mind. It does not have the gift of wisdom. You know, maybe we live in a world that is tolerant to a lot of political agendas that aren't good for the full flourishing of the human person. This is charity not informed with wisdom. Wisdom gives us that. Because in wisdom, we know that God is our final end. And in having that full conviction that God is our final end, we're able to recognize that in others. Hey, you are made for the Lord. You are made for salvation. Counsel is that gift by which I'm able to judge and with others those words of wisdom to give, to direct. And now we talk about those other three gifts. The gift of fear of the Lord. We know that scripture says that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because, and fear of the Lord does mean fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord does not mean wonder and awe. That's been watered down. An experience of fear is an experience of the real. For instance, I can go to driver's ed as a 15-year-old and sit in classes for three days and still drive around without a seatbelt on and rolling through stop signs. But until I get into a wreck or until I see the blue lights flash on from speeding, I'm probably not changing. But there's something about those blue lights in the rearview mirror that makes you just straighten up. Like, yeah, actually, I need to get everything in order. And without thinking, I've buckled up, I've slowed down the pedal, I got two hands on the wheel at 10 and 2, uh, 10 and two o'clock, and I'm just looking at the eyes. There's something about fear, that deep experience of the Lord, that, hey, my salvation is not guaranteed. That corrects all of my appetites. That straightens me out. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then after fear of the Lord is that piety, that way in which I render right worship to God. Because it's God who knows how to be worshipped. I don't know necessarily how to worship God. I need Him to perfect that within me. And then after fear of the Lord is courage. That is, we see in all of the apostles, save John, who is not exposed to death, that once the Spirit descends upon them, they are made courageous beyond their ability to suffer the, de- the pains of martyrdom. So now, finally, what I want to do, I know that this is a brief expose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I think that it is important in the spirit of Advent to begin with the end in mind, is to talk about how do I dispose myself to these gifts. And I'll just make some brief remarks. And there's one theme that I want you to at least leave with tonight, if all this was a little too tightly woven. 
with regard to first the gift of understanding that I'm constantly not filling my mind with enough noise like different media I only read for instance the paper or I only read sports articles or I only read celebrity news or I only read Facebook or I only read Instagram to the point of not growing in the knowledge of God through reading scripture if my worldview is dictated by what political leaders what athletes celebrities or what my friends are doing on Facebook then I'm going to see the world through that lens but the gift of understanding gives me a different worldview similarly with knowledge that I dispose myself by reading the scriptures and also by being silent and recollected with the gift of wisdom we dispose ourselves simply by slowing down by not doing things out of just busy bodiedness but always acting with the end in mind that in everything that I do I act toward the glory of God and the salvation of souls in that way I dispose myself to the gift of wisdom be able to see God first in regard to the gift of counsel that I do not rely upon my own human understanding for everything I find this a lot as a spiritual director that sometimes I just don't know the answer and so to be able to just stop and pray and lean upon the Lord and lean upon his understanding in the scriptures and then with regard to the last three that with the fear of the Lord that I do not dispose myself to fear the world. We either fear the Lord or we fear the world. If we do neither of those, there's a certain term for that. It's called sociopath. These people have no fear. But we all have fears that drive us. And so to more and more release myself from serving the God of Mammon rather than the God of Israel, we now are able to experience fear of the Lord and be freed from mundane or worldly fear. With regards to piety, is that I also watch what I give to reverence. I watch how, how I make, how does the world stop for me? Does time stop, for instance, whenever I simply turn on the television? Does time stop, for instance, whenever I'm just doing something that I enjoy? But do I find that time runs whenever I'm in mass and just wondering what the next thing is? Where does time stop? The mass is an encounter with eternity. There should be a sense of timelessness whenever we worship. And then lastly, with courage that I rely upon the Lord to have difficult conversations and difficult moments. The theme that I was talking about and where this all begins is the spirit of recollection, of forming this inner monastery where I'm able to simply stop, encounter my own lack of understanding, perhaps encounter my own poverty of my will, 
that my motives are not pure, to call upon the Holy Spirit in all things, to lean upon him so that he may clothe me.